knew he was coming to Mars, the thoughts started going through my mind, who would I call today? Who all would I contact and say, you've got, you got to be saved? The urgency would change. The reality would change. And, um, I think that's evidence that we don't, even as Christians, really believe that sometimes. Because if we did, I think we would respond like that more often. We would have a more urgency about us. Uh, let me say a couple things here as I get started. Believe it or not, I had a dream too last night sometime. Different, a little bit, little bit odd, but um, I'll get to that in a minute. But anyhow, um, there's not a whole lot more to take place, I don't believe, for Christ to return. Nothing has to take place. Uh, at most, there's just a couple more things of technology maybe. Uh, Israel's government allowing um, them to restart the daily sacrifice back up. They've already petitioned the government, or the government for that. And you understand we are gone before the daily sacrifice starts happening. And they are a step away from restarting it right now. I mean, we are like, I mean, we're here. And I'm afraid sometimes we don't heed that warning like we need to. There needs to be an urgency in the church. There needs to be a burden, including me. Um, and I pray that we find that. Let me say real quickly before I get started, uh, some people has, has given us gifts over the last little bit for Christmas, and some big, some small, and some all in between. We appreciate every one of them. Uh, I haven't got to make it to see some people. Mama Sue, as we call her, she knows who I'm talking about. It. She sent me a couple of cards and things. I haven't got out to see her, but I just, she usually watches, so I want to say hello and thank you for that. And other people in the church has blessed us in so many ways beyond what we can tell you, and it means more than you'll ever be able to understand. Turn with me your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, I don't know that I've ever, uh, I've preached from the same text two Sundays in a row before, but I'm usually moving on. This is going to be the exact same story that I preached last week. I don't know that I've ever done it quite like this, but it's going to be a completely different thought. Um, last week, I preached on a triumphal entry and all the ways that Christ was triumphal in entries into the world. His birth um, here in Jerusalem, our hearts when we were born again and when He returns. And today, a few people asked me because I kept mentioning the donkey. They said, why don't you preach on the donkey because you kept mentioning him. So I prayed about it and I felt like God gave me liberty to do that. So today we're going to preach a little bit on this donkey. Now the focus is still on Christ. Always will be. We're going to bring some things out about this donkey that, that matters. And you said it's not really a Christmas message. Well, it, it kind of is. Um, Christmas is celebrate year-round. Because we celebrate, we should be celebrating his birth, his life, his death and resurrection all the time. But Luke, it's gospel, chapter 19, verse 29. Everybody there? And let me say I'm glad to see a couple of you this morning. Don't want to mention any names or embarrass anybody. Uh, some don't care about embarrassing like Jason. But, uh, but, but I'm glad to see... Uh, See all of you here. Uh, verse 29, And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethany, and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, in the which 
at your entering, he shall find a colt tied wherein uh, yet no man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you why he loose him, thus shalt thou say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose he the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. I always found that interesting. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that, if these uh, should hold their peace, the, the stones would immediately cry out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together. And God, for this day that you've blessed us with, Lord, this time of year that we set aside to celebrate your birth. And Lord, I thank you that we have your word, God. We have uh, everything we need to know about you and about us and about our life from your word. And Father, I pray today that you use me as you see fit. God, you give me the words needed for this hour. God, the very thoughts, Lord, uh, guard my mind from outside thoughts, from my thoughts, Lord, guard my mind from... Holy Spirit, I pray that you guide me and direct me in everything that is spoken this morning. And God, that I will honor you, God, and uphold you, Jesus, and, and give you praise and glory with my preaching. And God, I pray that people would respond like they need to this morning. God, I pray the response at the altar call would be what you desire God, not what I'm looking for, not what anyone else is looking for, but God, what you're looking for. God, there may be individuals here this morning that you're looking at. You're looking for something from them. You're wanting to do something for them and help them. And God, they need to respond in a certain way at a certain time. And I pray, Lord, for the courage to do so. Help us all, Jesus, to be submissive to you. And Lord, we thank you again for all that you've done for us. And Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And this morning, what I said, I already kind of told you what I want to talk to you a little bit about. And like I said, last week, I preached in this story. An amazing thing, uh, I mentioned the dream. I had a dream last night that I was with my dad's family, and uh, we were talking about this passage, and I don't know why I, was, I dreamed this, but my uncle was there, and I told him what I was going to preach in the outline, and we were talking about it. He said, well, if you preach this, you're going to confuse me. He said, you're not going to make any sense. He said, you're going to totally ruin this story for me. If you preach this the way you tell him you're going to preach it. He said, it makes no sense. And so I woke up questioning, God, is this what you want me to preach? <laughs> and I looked at it again and I thought, does it make sense? And I, even in my dream, I was thinking that. And I, and I got up and I said, well, I'm still going to preach it in its context. And I, in my dream, I went in and preached it. Hopefully it worked out in real life like sometimes it does in a dream. Uh, but uh, anyway... Uh, as I mentioned, uh, some things are taking place through the story. Some prophecies are being fulfilled. Uh, we read about this in Zechariah 9 and 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the, the coat of the fowl of an ass. So we see that 
uh, this little donkey here, as we modernly call that, uh, is something that is unique, I believe, in this story in some ways. Now, it's custom, tradition, that Mary rode her donkey uh, to Bethlehem when she was uh, pregnant with Jesus to give birth. I would say they probably did, but I will go in and assert to you, the Bible does not teach that. It does not say that. No doubt she rode something, whether it was a great dame, a donkey, or whatever it may have been, she probably rode something because the woman was eight or nine months pregnant, so I'll guarantee you she didn't walk that journey. And one point I want to make as we get into this, and Lord help me to remember this, as we read this prophecy, when you think about it, let me read this again. He says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. So uh, when I read this, I'm thinking of verbal, out loud uh, uh, rejoicing here. Uh, you can hear people shouting. You can hear people raising their voice loudly uh, for Jesus. He said, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. The king here, this, this particular text, is capitalized. He is just in having salvation. We know salvation only comes from Jesus. It says lowly. He come meek and, 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 and humbly and here in this place and riding upon an ass and upon a coat, the file of an ass. Now, this was probably some 500 years before this story took place that this was prophesied. Now, I'm not sick, but my throat's bothering a little bit this morning, so just from there a little bit. Now, I believe Jesus could have entered this city however he wanted to. If he wanted a fighter jet, if he wanted a Chevrolet or whatever he wanted to ride in, a camel or a donkey or in the back of a, 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 a wagon, he could have done so. But he rode upon a donkey, and I'm going to tell you why just in a few minutes. Uh, they were valuable animals. Donkeys were in this day and time. We think of them as being a dumb animal. I'm really honest with you, they're really not as stupid as in our modern day context of our thoughts. They really aren't. Um, uh, but they, they were valuable animals. They had a purpose. And, and, and they here in this time, we see that some things are taking place in the life of Jesus that was bringing about prophecy and about his life. Now, uh, the only time that I have found in the Bible while here on earth that Jesus publicly allowed and welcomed praise to him was here in this story. There's nowhere else I can find in the Bible that people were publicly praising Jesus and the whole city and he welcomed that. Most of the time it was see to it that he tell no man because he had not established himself as king at that time. So here we find a donkey with purpose. Sometimes you and I just seem to be a donkey with purpose, don't we? So, uh, let me, as we go through this, I'm going to read some of this text again and explain some things to you as we go through our points. But number one, he arrived with power. You see, Jesus told them exactly what they would find, exactly what would happen, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, some commentators uh, want to claim or some people that Jesus had it prearranged. I don't believe that. Not for one second. Jesus knew, knew people's thoughts. We read that in the Bible. He knew what they were thinking. He told these two disciples. We don't know who they were. Uh, some speculate this one or that one. The Bible doesn't say, so I'm not going to say. And he told them exactly how it would be. 
And so they went and got this donkey and it was tied and he told them, he said, you're going to go into a village, you're going to find that donkey tied up its mother's going to be there. And I believe in Matthew, they bring actually the mother and the donkey, they bring both, but Jesus rode on the little donkey. And it said there never were a man set on this donkey. Now, I mentioned before last week, I mentioned this somewhat, if you've ever been around any animals at all, you don't grab an animal that's never been broke or, or, or held by a human being at all. I remember years ago, uh, my dear cousin, I guess he's a cousin technically, uh, went on to be with the Lord, but Ronald had some goats. He liked to fool with farm animals some. He bought some goats one time that were the wildest things I've ever seen in my life. I'd have shot them. I'm serious. And they got loose one time. So here we got 10 or 15 people out up and down that summer ridge chasing these goats. And we finally got a hold of these goats and caught them. And I had one by the horns, thank God. I was about 18, 19 at the time because now I'd have shot it. And that goat, he would rear up and take me to the sky with him. He'd come down and take me. I can't be as animated then because I'll pull a muscle. And, and, and it took me to the, I mean, I was fighting this thing for all that was within me. That was a little goat. You don't grab a hold of a donkey and unloose him and take off that's never been broken. Make you. You see, Jesus came with power to show that he is owner of all. He built the world. He created the world. He owned that donkey. These people wasn't allowed to borrow it from God. And Jesus owns everything in the world. He owns everything we've got. He owns you whether you realize that or not. And your breath is in his hands at any moment. He could close his hand on your breath. But he came with power. And so they came. And they got this donkey. This donkey tamed right on down. I looked and I asked if there's any real significance of uh, the donkey that he, that he mentioned he'd never been ridden before and God showed me something that I read Jerry, so I guess I'm not the only one to see it. Do you know that Mary never knew a man? This donkey never knew a man and Jesus' tomb never knew a man. He broke the veil of all three. Do you realize that any time he wants to go where no man has ever trod, he's got the power to do so. And in an old-fashioned revival meeting. No God had ever entered my heart, but, but Satan is the only one that had filled my mind. But that night, Jesus broke through the veil of the sin of my heart and entered my soul and entered my spirit and made me a new creature. Thank God. He went with power. He came with power one day in my heart and in my life. And here he gets on this little old donkey in a very humble show of power. You see, he didn't come out with the pomp and all these things. The only people that knew the power that it took to ride that donkey that had never been broken was his disciples and Jesus himself. Sometimes the power of God in your life doesn't need to be explained to other people. God will show it when it's time. Huh. Number two, he arrived in peace. Now, he said here in verse 34, and as they said, the Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the coat and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they opened or spread their clothes in the way. When he was come nigh, even now to descend the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God at the loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Number two, you arrived in peace. Do you realize, you say, why didn't you ride a horse or something that was a little more respectful? Because in these times, the only time a ruler rode on a horse was when he was going to battle 
or a show of power or conquering. He didn't ride, uh, even Solomon, if you look back in your Bible, Solomon rode a donkey when he first came into power because he was coming in peace. Jesus was coming in peace. The city, the Jews thought he's coming to, to save us from Rome. He's getting ready to overthrow Rome. No, that if he was, he would have been riding a horse. And if he would have been on a horse, Rome would have stood up and took notice. Because they would have recognized that a horse rider is there for battle, to conquer, to come to fight. But Jesus did not come for that. He came to bring peace to you and I. He didn't come to bring world peace. Do you realize world peace is not going to happen until the thousand year millennial reign? And even then, at the end, there's going to be an uproar. There'll be no world peace. That's an illusion, folks. As long as there's sin on earth, you can't have peace. Not like we talk about. The only peace you can have is right here in your heart with God. There is no other place to have peace as long as sin is present on earth. Thank God he brought us peace. There were only two types of donkeys primarily that I can find in the Bible. Most of them were small, not real big, but they had a bigger breed of donkeys too. And they came in a few different collars and things. Uh, there are some myths about some of this. And I know uh, the one that I mentioned last week as well about the donkey that he rode had an emblem of a cross the way its fur goes. It wasn't necessarily bred to have that design. It just kind of came about. And, and yeah, I don't believe it's coincidence though. Uh, but still, uh, sometimes certain rulers would ride on a bigger goat because he was too proud to ride on a little donkey. Jesus rode on a colt. He came to bring peace to man. Not overthrow man. Not overthrow the government. But, but the Jews, Jerusalem was looking. Well, let me say this real quickly. They were expecting the Messiah to come. And this is what they believed the prophecy was teaching in their day. That he would come and overthrow the Roman government or anyone else who was in control of them and set up his kingdom on earth. And there established Jerusalem as the world power from that point forward. That's what they were looking for. That's why some of them were praising Jesus the way they were because they thought, here he comes, we're fixing to escape Roman rule. That's not what he came for that time. He came to be a humble, lowly servant to die on a cross, a sacrificial lamb for you and I. That was his purpose. I do believe, I've heard other people say this, I do think it's possible I know it didn't happen this way because God knew it wouldn't happen this way. But could you imagine if the whole city, Pharisees, Sadducees and all, honored him as king, do you know the story would be written different than what it is today? Much different. He would have set up his kingdom then. But because they rejected him, you and I are engrafted in. He was hung and nailed to a cross for you and I. So let me move on. I got a few more things I want to cover. Don't, I, let me say this. Uh, everybody looks good in their Christmas outfits. I know we're wearing more next week. If I don't brag on you, somebody will get mad. The women will say you didn't notice my hair. But I noticed your outfits. So we have number one, he, he arrived with power number two. He arrived in peace and it was because of the donkey that he showed the arrival of peace. Number three, he arrived in praise. 
As I read in verse 37, when they was come nigh even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And Pharisees from among the multitude said unto a master, rebuke thy disciples. There's a few things I want to point out right here. No, first thing, as I said, he arrived in praise. This is the only place I can find and actually received public praise on this level. When it said to the disciples, it's not just talking about the 12 guys. It's talking about entire city, all his followers. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple. That's what that means. And, and here they came, and I believe in my own heart, I believe when he was coming down, if you look at a map, you can see that the Mount of Olives was higher than Jerusalem, and he came down off that mountain, and the whole way he was coming, they were praising him as he was coming into Jerusalem, and I believe as he was coming, people were taking their clothes, laying them down in front of that little donkey. You see, they couldn't bow in front of that little donkey because he would have stepped on them. So that was the next best thing they could do is bow before him and show a, a sign of honor and reverence to him. It's lay their, their jackets and things down on the ground, let that little donkey step on that and palm leaves and other things and I don't believe that donkey's hoof ever touched dirt till he got into that city. You see, that little donkey had a clear, clean path to walk on because the rider was as clean and clear as they are and they got to examine him the whole way as he came down. You realize that three days... A lamb had to live with the family and to, to examine it to make sure if it was a sacrificial lamb that it was not had any flaws or anything wrong. Do you understand? Jesus was in Jerusalem for three days to be examined. That little donkey carried our Savior on a clean slate. Thank God that Jesus saved you and I and gave us a clean slate one day. He gave us something new. He gave us something real. And he gave us something that nobody can take away from me or you. If you're born again, no devil in hell can take your salvation from you. No law passed, no judge, no corrupt government, no uh, head-cutting uh, Muslim or anybody else can take that away from you. No lawsuit, nothing can steal that from you. Thank God for what he did for us. You think about it. Until this day, this was just an old ordinary donkey. There was nothing special about him. There was nothing unique, I don't believe, about him. You know, I mentioned last week how that they put their coats on the donkey for Jesus to sit on. They had no saddle. Do you understand Jesus never owned anything while here on earth, materially speaking? Nothing. Everything he had was given to him. He had no house. He had no job. The clothes on his back, someone gave him. The shoes, the sandals on his feet, someone gave him. He never owned the first thing and he never yet went without one time in his life. Not one time. The donkey was provided to him by someone else. This little donkey didn't mean a whole lot to a lot of people until that day. Suddenly, this little donkey come into play. And let me, let me paint this picture for you real quick and I'll move on. 
you got to realize this is around the time of Passover. Do you understand that Josephus estimated that it could be up to 28,000 lambs was sacrificed for one Passover? So that could be 28,000 lambs <laughs> as they were all celebrating this little donkey walking along carrying our Savior who had someone else's clothes for a saddle. You know, there have been times in my life that I felt like I've been awful beaten by this world. I've got scars from this world. I've got cuts and wounds and it took the blood of Jesus to cover those wounds. Anything that was flawed with that little donkey, I believe those coats, they put over that little donkey for a saddle, covered him and it covered the one who you and I look to today. Thank God for the Savior who came and not just covered us with his blood, but washed us with his blood, forgave us of, his, of our sins. Thank God for the Savior that you and I have who came humbly one day riding on a donkey in peace, not a conquering king, but one day he will come back and he's coming back on a white horse and he is coming back to rule and reign. He is coming back to defeat and battle will be placed and he will win. And we will be with him. I'm looking forward to that day. There'll be no more donkey rides for Jesus after this story here. Ashley, and I'm done. And this is probably my favorite part. <laughs> he ride in power. He arrived in peace. He arrived in praise. And he arrived a provider. This little donkey was a provider for Jesus. And Jesus was a provider for this little donkey. And you and I. You see, he was going to provide a way to heaven and to forgiveness of our sins. And this donkey provided a ride for Jesus. He walked up the back side of Bethany and Bethany and he rode down the Mount of Olives. And when he came back, come to the top of the Mount of Olives and started to ride that little donkey down, suddenly the whole world took notice. Known the world at that time. You see, I want to point something out to you here that most of you, all of you might, some of you probably don't know or realize. Under the Old Testament law, in Exodus 13, that the firstborn of a fowl had to be redeemed. And the Bible says in Exodus 13 and 13, and, the, and every person of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. This colt needed a redeemer. And so did we. Let's put this in our perspective. The firstborn animal of the, of the animal had to be redeemed by a lamb or you break its neck. In other words, you kill it. It's a sacrifice. Now that lamb was valuable, so was the donkey. And let me give you a little perspective. Let me, let me bring it up to modern times here just for a minute. I'm going to go over to Southridge to that high dollar dealership over there. And I'm going to jump in the most expensive Mercedes they got in the lot and say, give me the keys. The Lord has need of this car. And I'm going to hit the start button and put her in gear. And take Or better yet, I go to a lot and jump in a Lamborghini and say, the Lord has need of this car. 
bring me the keys. You say, a donkey wasn't as valuable as a Lamborghini. It was for some families. They had to redeem that donkey. You and I had to be redeemed. The donkey that needed to be redeemed carried the lamb that was our redeemer for you and I. That donkey was carrying the very thing that would redeem it and redeem you and I. Now Jesus didn't die for that donkey, but a lamb had to die for that little donkey. Somewhere along the line, its owners had to sacrifice a lamb to redeem that little donkey. And you and I had to have a redeemer to die for you and I to redeem us one day. Thank God this little donkey come into play. He may never been mentioned in history again. When this scene ended, no doubt, his owners took him back home and he lived a normal life from that point forward. Nobody may never remember that little donkey. Nobody may not remember what you do for Jesus, but he sure does. Thank God he remembers me. He knows me by name. Let me ask you a couple questions as, as, as I wind down here. Jesus, he arrived a provider. This little donkey also arrived as a provider. Do you know he was also our propitiation? Let me explain to you what that word means. We hear that and sometimes I think we say those as preachers and people and we don't explain what they mean. That word means that God's wrath was appeased by Jesus. God's wrath was, our, our, our sentence was God's wrath. And hell is the, is the uh, final sentence of God's wrath. Jesus appeased God's wrath. That's why in Isaiah 53 it says it pleased him, it pleased God to bruise him. That's why, that's why he's pleased by bruising Jesus because his wrath has been satisfied against you and I. People says, God don't send you to hell. I don't agree with that statement. That's not biblical. Now you force God to, but let me ask you a question. Today, right now, he is either your Lord or your enemy as you sit here right now. He is also your Savior. Today, he is your Savior. Tomorrow, he's going to be your judge. If I go out here tomorrow and I decide I want to ruin somebody's life, and I walk into Walmart and just randomly start shooting people. I will stand before uh, 12 of my peers. I'll have two lawyers argue my case. There'll be eyewitnesses to show up. There'll be cameras on display to show what I did, and they will say he's guilty, and a judge will sentence me. Doesn't it make sense that if he's going to be your judge, he's the one that's going to sentence you? I hear people say that and I mean no disrespect to preachers that I highly respect but folks, God will send you to hell. He is going to be your judge and he will send you. Let me ask you. Right now, if you died, right now, where would you go? If God went from being your savior this second to your judge where would you be? What would be your judgment? She's fine. She's just, she's shouting, that's all. Somebody needed that to break their, their thought process. Where would you be? You know, I've told story after story after story after story about people leaving church 
rejecting Christ and dying that day before they even got outside the church in car wrecks and stuff. On the way here Friday night uh, to abide, Drew and I was coming across Falls Creek Mountain. Some guy pulled out in front of us, no headlights on. He got up the road a little ways, finally turned his headlights on. He's all the road and he took off flying. He didn't make it two curves. He was in the ditch against the hillside. He's all right. But you know, he could have just as easily went over the hillside and not been all right. Let me ask you, have you ever been saved? Do you know that for sure? I'll give you this and I'm done. I promise I'm quitting. I guess about everybody in here has probably heard of Billy Graham. Love him, like him, or hate him. Uh, Untold thousands has probably made professions under his ministry. And he, he, he preached in coliseums and in football stadiums. I mean, the football stadium that would hold 60, 80,000 people would be full as he preached. And he said if he had it to do over, he would have never done the crusades. He said, I would have stayed in churches. He said, because they're full of lost people. Amen. Judging by statistics, no less than five of you sitting here this morning are lost. And some of you think you're saved and you're not. Statistically speaking, no less than five people sitting in this room right now think they're saved and they're not. They know deep in their heart something is not right. But pride keeps them from fixing it and talking to God and getting it right. One day, you're not going to have that chance. The Pharisees said, Lord, Rebuke thy disciples. They didn't like it because they were giving God praise, the whole city. They were bowing down to him. They wanted the praise. You got a chance this morning that most people will never receive. There's countries in this world that what I'm doing right now is outlawed. Cannot proclaim Christ. They'll kill you for it. And you're sitting in a church freely this morning with an opportunity to be saved. And many people will never get that chance. He came as a humble, lowly Savior riding on a little old donkey one day. He was born in a stable. In a feeding trough is where he was laid. And you have a chance to be saved today and know him as Savior. I don't know what more he could have done than what he did. Father, we thank you again for this time together. God, I I pray that this message made sense to people. I pray that it, it honored you, not me. God, if it honored me, then it's it's no good. I don't want to God forgive me and help me to never rear back and and try to Uh, explain what all I know or what I've learned. God, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all you. And we want to give you honor and praise and everything. There's nothing I've said this morning that somebody didn't already know. God, you know it all. Lord, most of all, you know who's sitting here this morning. And they don't know for sure, Lord, if they died right now, they'll go to heaven. They know for sure that they're not sure. And they know for sure that they're trying to figure out, God, right now in their mind, what they want to do. How can I get out of this? 
How can I get by another day? How can I wait maybe till it's better? Uh, is today the best day? Am I sure that I want to do this right now? And all these thoughts are going through their mind. And all the while, the devil's sitting there talking to them as well. And God, he's telling them, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. And God, we know it's the biggest lie ever told. So Lord, I'm praying that right now you touch the hearts of each one that are here. Jesus, you died on the cross and rose again the third day for our sins and justifications. And you said in your word that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe with thine heart the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. God, that's all it takes. And Lord, is what I'm praying. Maybe there's somebody right now, God, that has got enough boldness to come to this altar with why everybody is praying, God, along with me, and come down to this altar and kneel down and do business with you. When nobody's looking, they can talk to you. God, I pray that you give them the courage they need, Lord, to come. And God, we'll pray with them. We'll, we'll read the Bible with them. We'll show them the Bible, what exactly where it tells us these things to be saved. But God, I believe you've already spoken to their heart enough that they know, God, what it means to be saved. Jesus, without you, with ever believing on you for asking forgiveness of sins, we'll die and go to hell. And with you, with believing on that, according to what your word says, we'll be born again and saved and we'll go to heaven to be with you forever shall we ever be with the Lord. And we thank you for that opportunity. Touch hearts as you see fit, Lord. God, this is yours. I can do nothing without you, neither can anyone else. God, I did my best to preach what I believe you gave me and do with it what only you can. Please, God, clean it up and fix hearts, Lord, as you need. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. As we stand, we get a song. If you have need this morning, if God has spoken to you, if there's something that you're not sure about, most of all, your eternity, most of all, your salvation. Are you sure this morning if you died, you would go to heaven? Are you sure?